0: That's cool. a just a backup. Okay. I'll let you know if I need it. Yep. But I think yep. mine's recording. Yep. Assuming uh, you don't need Audacity then, yeah? Nah. No. All Hi- right, sweet. T- I feel Tim's just extra sensitive to that, so... He's not yeah. here, the rules go out the window. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, there was the, there was that one time
1: uh, he lost one single one single recording, and ever since then... That, that, was, that was a like,
0: really good recording, I was on that episode. <laughs> and that was like seven years ago now. I know. <laughs> it was, it was fun.
1: Welcome to Player 2 Pixelcast episode 97. Uh, my name is Ken, I am back in the host seat, the chair, um, the chair of, I guess... In the chair of the chair, for lack of a better word, like I see the two of you smirking. <laughs> That's not good. Joining, <laughs> joining me today on this call and on this episode, we've got our editor-in-chief, Matt Huzo. Have Huzan. Huzan. I keep Huz, I keep forgetting because I keep calling you Huzo. I yeah. often, often just default to Huzo. So no, it's Matt Huzan. Matt
0: Huzan, yes. Yeah, I, I go by many names Matt, Houston, Huso, Dickhead. I wear them all with pride. So, yeah, that's how you can get me. To all of us at Player Two, you're a daddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This, that, that will never sit well with me. I'm sorry.
1: And also joining uh, us on this episode is Rob Caporetto.
2: Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're you, you both doing great. Yeah. Um, Trying to
0: get through another yeah. Monday.
1: <laughs> yeah. I have to say, Huzo, your hair is looking on point today.
0: Oh, thank you, sir. I just haven't had a shower since I got home from work, so it's still in work mode. <laughs> yeah, very nice. <laughs> uh, on this episode today, we're going to be
1: talking about how much we're willing to pay for stuff, gear, tech... Toys, anything and anything to do with gaming peripherals, controllers, tchotchkes, keys, headsets. Um, we're just gonna go through a bunch of them: the good stuff, the bad stuff, the uh, the innovative things, the wacky, the wacky nice to haves, and just talk about our comfort with uh, with price points but first before we get into that second half of the show we're going to be talking about the games we've been playing recently uh i might start with you rob first because you've been playing something and there's a there's also we can read something like uh, on on the player 2 website and shortly we'll be able to watch something on the youtube channel
2: Yep, yep, yep. So um, I've been looking at Atari 50, the anniversary celebration. I actually got that wrong. I think I got that in the title wrong. Um, Oh, that's my bad. (laughs) 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 Yeah, (laughs) because I've written some stuff, you know, plugging, like, linking to the article on my own stuff, and I've been getting that wrong. I think even this, I've been doing video stuff. So basically, it's the compilation that just came out on just about everything which Chronicles you know atari's 50th birthday um the bulk of the collection is really about this interactive museum that sort of walks you through the early days of atari through the arcades the launch of the 2600 a bunch of the other systems and you get like interviews you get flyers and 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 of course like there's some cool stuff like scans of design documents and notes so it's basically an ama- it is an amazing tribute to the history um it's put together by digital eclipse who recently have done the, the Turtles Cowabunga collection, which is you know, massively detailed with all those Turtle games from the arcades and various home consoles. And this is the same thing. You get You get uh, 25 of their arcade games before the crash, which includes a few games that haven't been made available for the first time. Um, games like iRobot, which was a very early solid 3D like action shooter platformer kind of game. You get a few unreleased games. Um, one that is notorious is called Aka-R, which is a game that is kind of like you, you control a turret in the middle of a sort of an arena. You've got to shoot enemies, and then you've got to zoom in when they get too close to the, prevent them destroying you. It's weird. It failed location tests, so it was never released. And for years, like, there were cabinets that people have, and now we're just like, they trot them out to game expos. And you could play them, but you could never emulate them or whatever. Um, But now it's in this collection you could play. You've got a whole bunch of Atari 2600 games, like all their collections do. And also a bunch of the other systems, the 5200, which we never got in Australia um, because it flopped too quickly. The 7800, which we did and flopped. (laughs) The 8-bit computers, which were interesting, but a lot of the cool stuff was by third parties, not so much by Atari. You've got the Lynx, which was their handheld that competed against the Game Boy in Game Gear, and flopped. And, of course, the Jaguar, which Flop. flopped. <laughs> <laughs> and this, wow. is kind of, this is kind of the thing. Like, Atari's really cool stuff was in the early, like, the late 70s and early 80s. Um, you know, they tried, like, they try, and it's one of the cool things about the collections. you can play some of these games. And, like, for example, the Jaguar library, there's, what, seven games included? And I would say... There's maybe two or three of them that are... There's one that is awesome, Tempest 2000. I'm going to be honest. 50-odd bucks for Tempest 2000 is a is a must-buy, I think. <laughs> um, because you're paying more than 10 times that to get a Jaguar in this day and age. Yeah, yeah. Like the retro market, massive inflation. Um, so I think it's worth that alone. But you look at like another example of a game that's utterly naff is Club Drive. This is like a 3D driving game that you drive around and do like some racing, some tag stuff. It's horrible. I was just playing a little earlier to grab some footage. It's terrible. <laughs> but it's interesting from a point of history of like they tried this. Yeah, yeah. But it's terrible. And I can't recommend playing it. And that's what you get in that collection. Like you just wander through and play you'll you'll play some games, like for example, the arcade games in there are all amazing. There are like the twenty odd arcade games. All of them are absolute classics, and they're worth playing. The twenty six hundred has a few classics. Um, a fairly late game called Solaris is amazing for so many reasons. Um, but a lot of them are a bit naff. Sports games, the Sword Quest series, and it's kind of cool that I actually completed that. Like Digital Clips created a sort the fourth one, Air World, based on the design notes of the original designer because that came that trilogy was like these adventure games that you played and you're supposed to win prizes. And then it all went to, to, to dust when Atari hit the video game crash in the U S. Um, but then there's stuff where they've also, they haven't just stuck the games in directly. They've also enhanced them. One example is um, star Raiders, which is this classic space combat simulation that sort of launched their computer line. They've got the version for the 5200, which is essentially adapted from the computers. It's like the same hardware, just with a different terrible controller and stuff. And they've they've reworked it to use like a modern gamepad really intelligently. And I'm going to say that it's probably the best way to play this game, unless yeah. you're an absolute purist who has to play it on the original hardware. Because you just sit there and it's like, oh, to switch views, you just flick the, the right thumbstick. It's like form view, your R view, your radar and all of this stuff. Adjusting your speed is just like pressing the shoulder buttons. So they've really done this this work to make these games, to frame them in a way that's just more accessible to modern players. And I think that it's something we have a problem with in the games industry that we let this stuff lay fallow because it's, like, inaccessible and whatnot. Um, And I think that – I think this collection is basically the new gold standard of what these retro collections should be. Like, you can bring up the instructions, and it's, like, really high-quality scans – so you can actually understand how to play the games and you've got all this other stuff that's out there. And I think that just, it does a really good job. The emulation is really tight. Like I don't feel any lag or anything that I've seen in other collections. Um, it works great. So of course we've got my write up on the site and I'm currently, i would be putting together a little series of videos that I'm hoping to get over for, for P2 plays, which is just going to be me showcasing a few selections on each of the platforms. Like there's just so much out there. Like there's more than a hundred games all up, but at least I could show you a few that are interesting that are pretty cool. So hopefully, you know, we'll hopefully start getting those out soon. I just need to organize to get them all collated because there's some, you know, pretty big uploads. So we'll try and streamline that a bit. But yeah, it's been a collection that I've just been having a lot of fun with, just randomly picking out games to try and revisiting some that I absolutely adore, like the aforementioned Star Raiders. It's Like I said, it's, it's a very, it's a big step forward that I really hope based on the positive buzz it's been getting, like from a lot of critics, that Mm. hopefully we start seeing other companies consider this kind of treatment. It's a real criterion collection of these games in in my book.
0: Yeah, well, I definitely noticed on Metacritic it's been getting really good reviews, which is odd. These these collections tend to be a bit throwaway in a lot of instances, you know. His his River Raid, his pitfall, goodbye, you know. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah. And it's yeah. just like having the the context. I yeah. think really
0: sells it. So you can understand
2: why these games might be kind of kind of naff because it's just like they didn't have the resources to fight Nintendo yeah. or Sega properly. So they're going to try and do stuff, and they tried to push in certain ways, and it didn't quite work out.
0: From memory, there was an was it an Alien vs Predator game on Jaguar that was good? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I've been wanting to play that. Unfortunately, because of the licensing, yeah, that one's just hard. like. It's going to be a pain because you have to deal with Disney and yeah. whoever else. So that's the thing that kind of sucks is that, uh, like with the, um, like the fifty two hundred, a lot of the games that it's really known for are all arcade ports that Atari published. And so you've got to go through all that licensing, and it's hard to to do that. Yeah. Like the Lynx really suffers for that. There's only like four games for the Lynx here, and it's like. There is was a lot of really cool games for it, but a lot of them are, are arcade conversions that they have to license. And it's like, m- at, maybe if it does well, they might do a volume two and they might do something else. But I hope more of these games are accessible in future because it's really, I think it's just, I think it's very important to be able to do that. And I yeah. think you can go to a ROM site and you can grab these games, but you don't have context. Emulators for some of them are flaky. Like Jaguar emulation is is a mess. Like mm. this the, the emulator in this collection is the first one that really handles a lot of games well, from what I understand. So I Cus, hope it's
0: custom it, chips always do wonders for emulation. Yeah, and then just <laughs> custom
2: chipset, weird, eccentric hardware that yeah. wasn't very popular. It it makes the the challenge very high in mm. points.
1: <laughs> um,
2: you said that some of the
1: controls were sort of, I guess, remapped to make more sense to somebody who's more maybe used to an Xbox controller, for example. Um, are any of the games sort of, I guess, in, in any sense remastered? Or are they all original emulated games of that time? Or, you know, have they been touched up? Or
2: So basically there are there are six games. You know, f- there's five or six games in there that are, that are reimagined. Um, right, there's, an yeah. up- there's an updated version of Yars' Revenge that is basically just yas Revenge, but prettier, and you've got the thing where you can hit the shoulder buttons, and it switches between the original graphics yeah, yeah, yeah. or the mod ones, like the the Wonder Boy Three remake from a few years ago. Um, you've got Quadra Tank, which is the the tanks out of combat and greatly expanded. upon you can go for players. There's like capture the flag. There's a whole bunch mm. of power ups and stuff. That one's really good. I'd love to actually be able to play that four players with people. I've just been playing with the AI. Um, my, my personal favorite is Vector Sector, VCTR SCTR, And this one's a tribute to those Vector arcade games, like Asteroids and Tempest and Lunar Lander. It's like you start off, the first stage is like Asteroids, but it's twin-stick control. So it's like ah, you yeah. fly the ship around with the left stick, shoot in the right stick. You clear the Asteroids, and then you go and land, like Lunar Lander style. So you've got some pads you have to try and land on without running out of fuel. The third stage has you sort of flying into the screen like a proto... It doesn't directly channel a game, um, but you're flying along, you're switching lanes, you're shooting enemies. You got to shoot enough, and then you take off and go into space, and you're on one of the the webs from Tempest, and you're just sort of zapping the Tempest enemies, and you do that, and that's sort of the loop. And it's really fun. It's got a really pulsing soundtrack. It's really challenging in an old school arcade way. Um, there's also an enhanced version of Breakout that gets that brings stuff in from Breakout and near and um, Super Breakout. There's an updated version of a game called Haunted House, which is like this really early kind of proto-survival horror game. There's yeah. like 3D and and kind of cool. I bounced off it, so I didn't spend too much time with it. Um, and so you've got those, and they sort of build upon these original games, but make them sort of more palatable in a modern package that maybe gets you curious and then go off to explore those original games. Very
0: cool. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> it's... It, it, what it sounds like as well because I think you said digital eclipse also did the cowbunga the ninja Turtles one that's right like having these collections and, and like you said Hughes will not just be a random grab bag of titles just shoved into a, a box but actually taking the extra step to fill in the context fill in the background fill in some of the information that that tries to paint the environment in which these games existed yeah uh the time in which it existed the the the, the, the situation the, the, yeah just pay- because these games don't exist in a vacuum and if you were to go to a rom site you are consuming these games in a vacuum like yeah here's a game that's it this oh it's really sh- shit because it's the, yeah it probably is shit because it's a 40 year old game but yeah there is a reason behind that. This is the context. These are the people who worked on it. This is the history and this is its lineage and legacy. Yep. And that's actually really interesting because, so, so it's, it's more than just a collection. It is actually, I think you sit in your, in your review somewhere. It's like,
2: a, it's, it is an archival piece. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is a museum. Um, mm. And it's great. Cause like you sit there and you flick through, you'll see flyers and maybe some of the, the interview stuff. And then, you can go up, and the game will be there. And you can just go play, so you don't have to jump between the museum and the game section. Like mm. it's all integrated. That
1: is very cool. Um, I might just jump into, and I guess move on to the next game, and I'll probably do mine next because it's going to be quick. And then we, I want to spend because I want to spend a bit of time talking about Midnight Suns, which is yours, Huzo. Um, I want to talk playing, about it too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <clears throat> I I've been playing. Um, unsurprisingly uh warhammer 40k dark tide um i'm currently in the pre-release beta which is uh open to anybody who has pre-purchased the game um i was in the closed beta that was open about two or three weeks ago and i talked about it on one of the podcast episodes then so i won't go into too much more this time i mean um if you haven't seen it it's 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 left for dead but with warhammer 40k um a lot more emphasis on range combat compared to vermintide which is quite welcome so it's actually quite a different in terms of in terms of pace and in terms of uh tempo and and flow of of combat and flow of the of the game it's quite different from vermintide uh well, actually, not that different. There's still hordes and hordes of people running at you, and you just sort of <laughs> chop, you chop them down. <laughs> is there uh, chainsaw swords. There are chainsaw swords Excellent. which, which you can rev up
0: ahead Even of time. better, yes. And this you can is just what you need on. in a warhammer and, 40k and it just, game. It,
1: it has that really, really, really good chainsaw sound. It's like <laughs> you can rev it up, and you can hear the engine going, the motor going, and it just, and, yeah. Um, there's a few some few uh, meme things in the game I told, I, to- I said to a few people before um, one of the characters for example there are four characters there are multiple subclasses I, I'm not sure how many there will be one of the cla- one of the uh, classes is the Ogryn which is a huge hulking filler and it's absolutely hilarious because in the game itself you're actually much taller than everybody so you constantly have to aim downwards because everybody is sort of like at waist level. <laughs> Even your own teammates are at waist level, which is hilarious. And the Ogryn is supposedly so stupid. And this is like a thing in in um, in the lore. The Ogryns are really, really dumb. If I pick up a grenade, I can't actually detonate the grenade. I pick up and I throw it, and it just does flat melee damage. Um, at whatever it hits. because the ogre is too dumb to prime the grenade so he just chucks it and it just hits somebody on the head and then they take damage that's it <laughs> there is no explosion and you use up what very rare grenade ammo there is to pick up so if somebody else is got an explosive one and I run up and I'm like oh I'm just going to oh I'm going to take this and then I just chuck it and nothing happens if you miss nothing happens just lands on the ground you can't pick it back up again it's ah. <laughs> just the dumbest thing there's all these like sort of like nods to it's the lore, um, which is pretty funny. Um, overall, you know, if you like Left 4 Dead, if you like Vermintide, uh, this is well up your alley. There's a lot more character c- customization. There's skills, abilities, uh, weapon upgrades, that sort of stuff. It's just very, very similar. Um, if you like this type of type of game, you're gonna enjoy this. Uh, and Hopefully, when full release comes, which is in about a week and a half's time, there'll be more content um, un, un, unlocked. I mean, that's what the developers have said uh, about in terms of weapons and cosmetics and all all sorts of things. So, really looking forward to the uh, full release. Uh, and it is yeah. Game Pass. And uh, yes, it is on Game Pass. So you and know, we crossplay. Really spot that. Actually, not crossplay. No crossplay. No cross-play for the moment. The Ah, devs have just said, I think, um, yesterday or the day before. Very recently, Mm. um, it won't be cross-play just for the moment.
0: Hopefully coming later.
1: Hopefully coming later. It must be one of those things where it's actually far more difficult to
2: program than people give it credit for. Multiplayer is is painful enough as is. I could see how getting cross-play working. And they've got to pay the Sony fee. Ah, yeah. uh-huh, yes, yeah. yeah. They so probably want to see if there's, there's the take-up first.
0: Yeah, if they're worth paying Sony the, the permission to do it, which is, you know, a whole other thing, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like I said, I just wanted to touch on that
1: very quickly because we're going to move straight into... Um, what Huzo's been playing, which is, uh, did you say the first 15 hours? Yeah, so
0: I've I've played more than that, but I can only talk about the first 15 hours at this point in time. Um, Obviously, the rest of it and story and stuff's under embargo, so I've got to kind of walk a bit carefully about what I talk about. But um, for those that don't know, uh, Midnight Suns is a brand new game from Firaxis those kind of legends behind uh, Civilization and XCOM. And it's the first new game they've done, well, since really XCOM, the XCOM reboot on the 360. Everything otherwise has just been Civ, XCOM, Civ, XCOM and kind of rotated between the two. So they're doing something different here and they're doing it with the Marvel license, uh, which is interesting. Um, it worried me. Like I love, uh, I say in my um, preview that, out of all the games on my computer, I've probably spent more time with those two franchises than any, and that the XCOM and Civilization, and and that's probably not a surprise to anyone. I I, I adore what they do with those games. They are absolutely made for me games. And Midnight Suns, I was a little worried because you know superheroes is a very different proposition from Marines or or anything like that. So it is. Along the XCOM lines, but it is a different experience. Okay. So it is still a turn based, uh, unit strategy game. Um, mm-hmm. but instead of having, you know, move points and action points and all those sort of things, it's a card system. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to sit in with the developers before we got our code and they explained why that came about. And, and it makes perfect sense. They said, you know, um it doesn't make sense to have cover it doesn't make sense to have missed shots because superheroes don't use cover superheroes don't miss shots you know so that would be silly if it was in a game with superheroes it would it'd be out of context so they got rid of it and they used this card based system to introduce randomness in the game which is you know something you need in, in this sort of experience And it does it really well. You've, you've got your own deck that you can edit. There's only, uh, 10 cards in your deck. Um, so it's quite a small pool of abilities that you've got to begin with. Um, and as you play, you get unlock more cards or you can upgrade existing cards and it all becomes part of the meta, which is probably the part that's most like XCOM is, you know, you've got your research trees, you've got your, your science trees, you've got all those things that XCOM does just with a superhero flavor. So, for example, Doctor Strange runs the artifacts which give you research points and Tony Stark runs the forge which, you know, gives you new gadgets and doodads and, you know, all those sort of things and and Captain Marvel runs the war room so you can send people off on missions that you don't actually do yourself. So all those things you see from XCOM, they're there in, in Marvel form uh but but in in combat itself uh you don't have like squares the superheroes can literally move all the way across the map uh in in each turn uh they have depending on which ability you use you know if you hit if you just want to punch someone on the far side and you use a punch card he'll your superhero will zip over there and punch them and But it'll tell you where you're going to land because that's really important because the environment is really important to the game. So environment, there are traps everywhere. There's there's things you can throw at people. There's cliffs you can push people off. There's stuff you can explode. There's things you can leap off to smash someone. And all those environment moves don't actually cost a card. So you get three cards to play each turn. But if this environment stuff doesn't use a card, you can just do it at the cost of hero points. Now, hero points are earned by using cards. So it creates this kind of cycle that you can use a couple of cards, use a couple of hero points, use a couple of cards, use a couple of hero points, or you can save your hero points up for a card that comes up with a hero point cost, which is usually like a combo move where two heroes will bash someone or, you know, a really high-powered damage. For example, Blade has a life stake move where he'll leap from a high and stab someone in the heart and then get health regen because of it you know that sort of thing um and so it's, it's it's quite a simple system but it creates this really cool flow and getting it right is is super satisfying and i am really quite addicted to it and there's even some mission types where they which are kind of puzzle mission types and they give you limited resources and you have to essentially either you know kill the enemies or use the enemies to break something by knocking them back into it using the resources you've got and it creates these kind of puzzles and you can only do it in a certain way Uh, and so solving those become really really satisfying uh so i'm totally in love with the combat and outside of the combat there's this kind of full role-playing mode so you play uh so there's a brand new character that they've created for this game called hunter So, the hunter is the daughter of the uh, mega mad bitch witch Lilith. um, And she's basically been raised her entire life to kill her mother. Um, It's all a bit Buffy, really. Uh, And uh, so, she did, apparently, you know, 300 years ago. And then... uh, uh, But someone, you know, Hydra being the meddlesome bastards they are, bring Lilith back to life. So, of course, they bring... The daughter back your life to fight her, and she. But but what it what it is? It's it's so cool to see this kind of fish out of water that's got three hundred years of catching up to do in history. She's been in been a dead for three hundred years, and meeting these superheroes that we all know. Some of them we don't know because there's some kind of minor players that become big roles in this game. But you know, we all know Iron Man. We all know Captain Marvel and all that sort of stuff. And. Uh, it's it's really cool. It, there's a whole big part of this game of creating friendships with these heroes, and the the more f- the better your friendship level with these heroes are, the more efficient you are together in combat. Um, you get other bonuses, so you can organ- Each each day kind of has a cycle. So your morning, you get up, you kind of do your upgrades, you do your your daily training with a hero, which boosts your compatibility together. You you, you pick your mission, you go off on your mission. That's the middle of the day, and then at the end of the day, at the night, you've got the like chill out time where you go to hang out with a superhero. You go and watch a movie, or or you just chat, or you do a book club with Blade and Captain Marvel, and uh, who was the other one? Captain America. They've got a book club, and you. That, that so sounds so persona. It, it it's but it's it's so good in this instance because it's like this person that just doesn't know these heroes, getting to know them and getting to to kind of in be involved with them and it it's super addictive and a lot of fun and then outside of that there's this whole big grounds to explore so the home base is called the Abbey, which is actually in Salem, which is, you know, makes sense because it's all about witches and stuff like that. And it's kind of in this kind of pocket dimension. So you've got this whole big ground to explore. And it, it reminds me a lot. I don't know if you ever played it, but there was a Mortal Kombat game on the Xbox uh, Armageddon where it had this big adventure mode that you could wander out and find bits of and pieces and, and kind of like the crypt modes and things like that. It's a bit like that, but a lot more fleshed out. So there's there's lots of secrets to uncover that, you know, they'll give you bonuses. They're kind of optional. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. But there is a lot of fun to be had in solving puzzles and, and finding out mysteries. Agatha Harkness is a ghost. Um, so she's kind of guiding you as she's not the bad witch in this one. She's kind of a good witch in this one and um she's kind of guiding you around and you find all sorts of cool things and that kind of flesh out your story and flesh out the story of of the Midnight Sun so the Midnight Suns are a group of younger heroes so Blade leads them uh but then you've got Nico from the Runaways you've got Magic who is an X-Man and you've got Robbie Reyes who's one of the Ghost Riders um so they're kind of the young upstarts and then you've got you know the Avengers you've got Spider-Man you've got captain america you got captain marvel iron man doctor strange and all that and a lot of the story is an interplay between these two groups you know the avengers have got experience and all this and these young guys are trying to prove themselves in a lot of ways and feel like they're not getting listened to and and you as the hunter kind of act as this in between in a lot of ways and it's all very i don't know it feels like a 90s Comic strip and, and, and I, it's absolutely perfect in this game. There's some genuinely funny lines in it. Like there's a lot of humor thrown in here. The fish out of water stick plays really well with, with Hunter, you know. Uh, for example, um, Captain Marvel mentioned about her be, becoming a meme. And and Hunter goes. I would hope you'd not become a mean. I slayed the last one of those three hundred years ago. They were soul stealers, and you know things like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's this cool kind of fun vibe to it all, and and the main story itself is 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 also quite quite enjoyable in that wonderful. Um, a cultish sort of way that they're going for. So I think they're very wise in choosing a corner of the Marvel Universe that hasn't really been explored. And up until recently, it hasn't been touched in the main movies, except for now recently, Doctor Strange kind of dives into that kind of area in the the most recent one. But generally, it's been untouched by modern media. Uh, so it, it's a bit of a deep cut, which means they get to be, I, I guess, a bit freer with the material and and, and do a bit more with it. That kind of subverts expectations for some of these heroes, yeah. and and really, I I'm now like I said, I, I can only talk about the 15 hours, but I'm about 30 hours into the game. They say a good run through is 60. Um, I can see that, and I want more. I am just loving this. It is. It has been a long time since I've sat down and just been so absorbed in a game and it feels very very much like it was they've gone into my brain and said we're going to make the perfect game for huso and this is what they come up with and i'm i'm really really happy with it so yeah i'm really looking forward to finishing it all off getting the end of the story and then i'll have a big review up uh once once i've got the you know and obviously i'm only talking from my time with the game so far um things could change it could You know, it could get stale. I'm starting to get a few missions repeat themselves a bit too often. But then again, I'm kind of taking things slow too. So once I push further ahead in the story, they've always seems to add new variety to things. So uh, yeah, I'm um, really enjoying it. And I think it's much more approachable. Than XCOM is uh, for new players, um, and wisely so. You know you can't have a Marvel game that has a difficulty wall straight up. Um, there's lots of different difficulty levels, lots of accessibility options. So if you want to play for the story, you can. Uh, whereas even in XCOM, even on easiest, like it was quite tough. So uh, this is much better designed for a, for a general audience, and it may be and much in the same way Mario Rabbids is. It may be sort of that that gateway drug for people to get into some more more hardcore sort of turn-based stuff um but yeah if you want the difficulty that's there too because you can crank it right up and earn greater rewards and xp and stuff by playing on harder difficulties if you so choose but it's absolutely optional and you you don't need to do that at all yeah um before we head into the break uh
1: who is your best slash favorite character
0: Uh, so the well the Hunter is really really versatile so you can really no no named character no named character so at the moment it'd be a toss up between uh, probably Blade and Ghost Rider they've got some really cool uh, uh, like movement attacks that that like Ghost runner has got like a lash where he can whip his chains around people and throw them into other people or throw them into the environment to explode or, you know, so that's really cool and you can chain stuff together. And then uh, Blade's got a lot of uh, multiple strikes, so he'll do chain attacks where he'll zip between three or four people with his sword and and cut them up and things like that. So they're they're both very cool.
1: Very nice. And on that note we're gonna take a short musical break. Uh Tim will cue something up for us to listen and when we come back, how much willing how much money are you willing to spend? and we're back um for the second half of the episode we're going to be talking about how much each of us are willing to spend comfortably spend uh in our fantasy minds on various bits and pieces of gaming gear and tech um we don't necessarily have Limitless amounts of money This is not one of those Like if you had a million dollars What would you do This is With the money you have now How much would you comfortably spend On a piece of tech Or gear Or Fun little throwaway thing That means nothing at all Um, Yeah I guess we'll just go from there Really Uh, But I do want to I guess Go to uh, Huzo first Because you recently picked up A piece of gear Yes I did um you paid handsomely for that piece of gear
0: oh uh, I I guess so I paid yes <laughs> yes I paid the re- it, it, the retail price plus postage um how much was postage uh it was about 50 pounds all right okay so, is it is, is it worth it uh, yeah look I, I I think it's worth it I got, it's a steam deck for those that don't know um so I, I Met a, a distributor when I was in Singapore at Gamescom Asia and was talking about, you know, this, this, the fact that Valve hasn't got their ass together and released them in Australia. And he said to me, Oh, well, look, I'm happy to, um, uh, send you one over if you, if you want, uh, we can do it through PayPal. So, you know, you've, you've got that safety there. Um, I, I can take my money back if, if he, if he, you know, I didn't trust him. So I felt pretty safe in doing that. And so I ended up paying the, the retail. Uh, cost over there for the five twelve, um, and it worked out with conversion to be just over a thousand dollars Australian um, plus postage, which was fifty pounds, so probably another hundred and ten dollars on top of that. So that that's roughly what I what I paid for it. It's all obviously done converted automatically on PayPal, but uh, yeah, I'm happy with it. I, I really am. I've I've only had it for like a week now, uh, but I took it camping on the weekend because you know. <laughs> <You can't. laughs> i had reviews to get done man so i needed to, i needed to take it with me camping so i was yeah, playing I like uh, i like the justification there i was playing spider-man uh miles morales on it and it works brilliantly uh the games that are got the steam deck verification all just work no issues a lot of games will still work anyway if you just you know you've just got to tweak a little bit which is no stranger to any pc gamer anyway so um yeah it's it's a, such a cool system uh I really hope they get their ass together and release in Australia because I think a lot of people are going to really dig it, and it certainly makes it hard to go back to the Switch after uh, after playing it, uh, you know, games portably in that sort of, I guess, resolution and that sort of uh, frame rate, and then you go back and, and play some of the recent Switch games that are struggling to hit. 25 frames a second let alone 30 or or 60 so yeah it's 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 very very cool piece of gear it's obviously not a necessary one but uh if you do a bit of traveling i I and i do do a bit of traveling with work and and such so it is a very nice thing to carry with me instead of a gaming laptop or whatever would you buy a second one i mean
1: not 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 like immediately but you know invariably with these they things, upgrade, especially it. because they have to upgrade it right like at some point there's got to be
0: i probably would a few years down the track you know obviously with any sort of system they'll have upgrades and things like that so yeah i'd imagine not not anytime soon but certainly down the track i could see see myself getting another one because yeah it's a really really cool form factor and makes pc game. and the fact that it's your steam library so yeah just go nuts <laughs> right I think,
1: yeah, I think the Steam library is definitely like one of the selling points because all up, you've spent about, say, a thousand, thousand, thousand one, just a a little over a thousand dollars and just like, I generally find it very difficult to justify any purchase, like not just games, just any purchase that reaches sort of that benchmark because a grand is still a grand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah um it's i don't have and and i assume many people don't just have that lying about like and that they could just be like oh yeah the 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 temptation is high and let let me tell you the temptation is very high but also like i have to exercise a lot of (laughs) self-restraint because
2: yeah hmm. that's sort of the you know you you want to put away for that over a few months kind of deal i mean i had to do some emergency stuff with some some network gear at home over the last month was like i lost my network and my my pc that i use mostly for work had a ram failure so Mm. it was just like i was massively out of pocket it's just like yeah no not much uh fun expenditure it's all just just yeah like tech living expenditure
1: Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the electronics, like a lot of this sort of fun electronics are sort of now pushing into that one grand mark. So I just wanted to throw into this like um, PlayStation VR. What was the
0: listed price? Was it 900 and... Yeah. Yeah, I think just shy of a thousand with uh, the game or it is a thousand with the game. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. And... I mean, that, that's a harder sell, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Like the the Steam Deck's good because you've already got thousands of games available, right? The PlayStation VR two, and based on all you can go on is the the VR, the original PlayStation VR, um, and the support it got, and it was sporadic. You know, like at times it looked like Sony were going to support it really well, then at other times they let it just die. So, yeah. yeah,
2: like that's the thing for me is there's a bunch of content. That I bought for PS4, PSVR1, that I don't want to give up. So yeah. I've got like my PS5 set up behind me, I've got the the adapter and stuff to run PSVR V1. And now I'm gonna have to pull all that aside to set up PSVR V2. Yeah. And there's nothing like there's nothing that's uh, like a Tetris effect or a Res Infinite that's on that's slated for PSVR V2 yet. Yeah. Like that that really experiments with with what VR is. I mean I admittedly, I didn't buy into PSVR until maybe a year after it came out. And that was just because I went to a friend's place and used the setup there yeah. and got convinced. So I kind of need the same thing. But yeah, the price.
0: I think I think it's hard to compete with the Oculus Quest, to be honest. Um, yeah. That, that system works with Steam. Um, it's got standalone. its own standalone. There's no cords, uh, yeah. which let me tell you, I use my Oculus a lot for fitness actually still. Um, do a lot of fitness stuff on there, and the fact there's no cords on it is a blessing. Um, and it's you know just shy half the price of the PSVR. Yeah, I
2: yeah. mean, like for me, my setup here, like I couldn't set up like a, a Vive or an Index. Mm-hmm. I haven't got the space. No. So having like the Quest be basically like for PC use, is it is it completely wireless? So it's just like one cable. No, so
0: we, 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 if you're playing off Steam, you use one cable, just a, an ultra fast USB C cable. And then that's, Yeah And then uh, If it's just off It's got You know Memory inside it So it's got um, Yeah for its native For, for its, its native, native games. games And and most of the You know The PC ones You want to play Like Half-Life Alex And, and things like that Obviously But 99% of them Work natively from the oculus and that's the best way because then obviously oh, wow. you're completely untethered so um beat stable you want to play on your pc because you can mod it and you know things like yep. that but otherwise it's yeah it's such a really cool experience uh and i don't know that the psvr2 is gonna offer that
2: yeah and i think <laughs> like you were saying earlier with the with the support sony you've given in the past it's it they really they really need to show because yes. it's sort of like they show their temp pole which is the console really well but you know I love the Vita. They did not treat the Vita well after the first year. Mm-hmm. They didn't treat the PSVR well after the first year. Um, yeah. So they've got they've got they're a, a bit, bit like a... Google.
0: Uh, in yes. that They get a cool idea out there and then just kind of let it die. Yeah,
2: <laughs> very 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 hard agree on that. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, I'm 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 skeptical about PSVR too. I would love to be proven wrong. And if I was, yeah, I'd. Set the PS4 Pro up with the PSVR1 for those games, yeah. and be happy to set the PSVR2 up for for the for the new stuff. But they've just got to show the, the support's there. I, I feel like it's going to go for a price drop.
1: Within yeah, because I was going months. to say like 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 even if Play- Sony supported like wholeheartedly with far far more enthusiasm, mm. like. The price entry point for for the v, uh, for the version two is a PlayStation Five and a PSVR two. So you're looking yeah. at a you're looking at a neat two two grand. All yeah, yeah.
0: By the t- by, you know if you want to go all in, um, which is yeah, like I said, six hundred or well, six hundred dollars for an Oculus Quest that you can play out of the box. Yeah, and and don't but, get me wrong, and it, it's not quite apples to apples. No, PSVR two has better screens, um, and it has some better tracking technology. But is it that much better? That's that's the hard thing, right? Mm.
2: They've that's what they've got to prove. Yeah. like long for the support is the is the jump worth it? Like, yeah, I think we're all in agreement that it's a very hard sell at the moment for it's, that. It, it
1: is it is a hard sell because I, I I can imagine a world where they could have like a wholehearted.
0: Enthusiastic support, but it's like
1: two grand,
0: mm. yeah. Oh, and that automatically puts the developers on a back foot too, because the yeah. developers absolutely look at the PSVR two costing that much money and going, "Who's going to play my game?" Yeah, you know, and so they're probably going to end up building their game for the lowest common denominator anyway to ensure it gets the most sales. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a that, that, real that, tough I mean, that's,
1: thing. I- yeah, that's absolutely one. But at the same time, as a consumer, if you've paid that much, you want it to be the, the mind-blowing experience yeah. <laughs> that that a res can give you. Because if you're not giving this and you're not passing it to someone in your family and saying, check this out, and they're not just completely blown away… yeah. Like, it just becomes another expensive toy for the consumer. It's just another thing that's like, oh, it's kind of cool, but really, it's just been sitting next to my TV for the last six months. Yeah. Because there's really only a couple of like mini game things to play. Maybe one cool thing to play, but where is the wow? Like, where is the Star Wars that sold the THX sound systems? Like, that type
0: of thing, you know? Like, (laughs) <laughs> horizon might be it honestly you know that's that game is looking pretty good uh in a, in much the same way that half-life alex was amazing um but the thing with half-life alex is only valve could make that game because valve mm. just have got you know microsoft level cash sitting in their bank and they quite often fund weird shit and they'll just do it and they know they're not going to make a return on that but uh yeah they just do it because i think they just like the yeah. challenge so
1: yeah actually that that reminds me just i'm actually really 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 grateful that i didn't drop some serious money on a steam machine
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> see i actually i bought one of the controllers and i actually thought for certain games that thing was actually really cool yeah, so,
0: I've, I've heard good things about the controllers. So all those things have combined to become the Steam Deck. So the Steam Machine and the controller and all that, all their lessons, you can feel the lessons learned uh, from their previous products in the Steam Deck, So, which is, you know, nice to see.
1: Nice to see, but, but I tell you, I was highly, highly, highly tempted by the Steam Machine. The idea of a, like, ready setup, like console box
0: TV gaming
1: console box but with your Steam library behind it you can just plug into the TV like with that controller and and, you know the the controller had really good reviews the haptic feedback the the touch pads it just generally was very very well received so all of that like like um, hindsight 2020 I'm so happy I didn't drop like
0: (laughs) yeah yeah anything on the Steam machines because there were there were a fair few. Yeah, there were. And because it was an open source, like it just had to meet these basic specs and then run Linux. So that was all it really needed to do. Yeah. 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 Rob, Absolutely. is there anything
1: that you would or would not or have or have not dropped some serious dough on? Ooh.
2: See, the first thing that comes to mind is... I ordered an analog pocket when they in the first batch oh, in 2020 nice. and um, so I paid one that was 200 for the 200 US for the console another hundred us for its docking station which lets you plug it up to the to your display and play with like wireless you know Xbox or PlayStation pads wirelessly um, and now that thing's just gotten some amazing support um, you know because buying it I bought it very much knowing it's a more it's hardware emulation at, at Game Boy and Game Boy Advance and I've mm. got a small, a decent collection of Game Boy Advance games and a bunch of Game Boy games that i bought, you know, secondhand over the years and the GBA stuff was stuff I bought new um, so I was quite big into the GBA because it was right when I was going through uni so doing commuting. Yeah. Um, and so being able to play that stuff on a modern screen without having to do all the hardware stuffing about to mod mod those consoles was really neat and then it's like plug it into the cradle, plug it into my capture gear, Boom! I can record from it. Really convenient, um, and that—that's just—it's just worked so well. And over the the last few months, like they've given some good uh, firmware support. And the big thing is what's called Open FPGA, which technically skirts a bit of a grey area. But now it's like I can power it up, but it can be a Game Boy, a Game Gear. It can be like an NES, a Super NES, a Mega Drive, Master System. Bunch of arcade games, weird obscure handheld and console systems, and it's just like, it's just like the thing that goes in my bag now. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's a nice size. It's got good battery life. It's got you know, it's got the you're playing stuff off cartridge. You could you can do a sleep and awake like a like a like a modern system for those games that don't support it. So it's like you know I might be playing mm, Metroid Fusion because I have that on. I actually have the cartridge of that, and I can just go pause it, like just hit the power button, it'll go to sleep, come back later, and it's a deep sleep. And the way the way it does it, it's like doing a snapshot, shutting down. So it's like saving a load of power. And the screen is just amazing. Like it's basically the screen out of like a VR headset. So it's like basically 10 times the original Game Boy screen res. Yeah. And when you're looking at it with the, the the right filter mode enabled, it's just like it recreates that screen so well. It's just like it's a nice size. It's got a whole bunch of cool features, and yeah. it's a reasonable price. The only thing that,
1: it's, yeah, I was going to say that price is actually a really
2: good and price point. It bumped up a little bit for like the batch for, for the batch. Now it's like two hundred and twenty US. Mm-hmm. The only thing that sucks is the postage is like a hundred US to Australia. But for <laughs> me, that's the thing that that kind of sucks. But you get it like when it ships, it's like under a week. They they pay for really fast shipping. It's expensive, but it's just like it just it's it it comes really fast, and it's just such a great system. It's really nice to use. There's like sure you can pay hundred and fifty bucks for a cheap emulator handheld. Yeah, but Raspberry Pi or something. <laughs> yeah, like um yeah. stuff like an AmberNick. Yeah. Um, they're a company that do a whole bunch of them, but th- I found the software fiddly to use. And, like, I found I had to sit there and go – every time I'd load a game, I'd have to go into the settings and adjust the display. Mm. Whereas with the Pocket, it's just, like, I load the core up, and the display is optimized, and I don't have to faff around. And it's just yeah. – it's that it's that attention to detail that yeah. they do. And it's just, like, I would pay – I would have paid twice the price for this based on the quality of how good the execution is.
1: I, um, I think the price point is is for this one for the analog pocket because again that's one of those things I've been sort of like looking at the website like hovering over the hovering over the buy button and I'm like sort of again trying to show some level of restraint but like that price point is so good because of multiple factors it's like you know it's not horrendously expensive it's actually a reasonable price for a good piece of tech yeah. a good piece of gear yeah, it's a reasonable price um <clears throat> but then you look at like you said like look at some of the competitors in the market like you're paying a, maybe less but you're not getting as good a, qual- a good yeah. a product but yeah. it also makes me think like you could go and pick up an old gba uh old gameboy advance yeah. sp right now but those aren't cheap either right now no the retro
0: consoles are a lot
2: like um ev- particularly since the pandemic everything yeah. in the retro space has gone up yeah like significantly um,
1: i've got a friend who does refurbs and he uh, and he off his eBay store sells the gBA i think the 101 series the one with the backlit screens it's close to two hundred dollars like a good refurb is is about 200 dollars australian dollars and so Mm -hmm. like when you look at that that is at this point a 20 year old machine yeah yeah that somebody had to sort of like cobble together using parts because it's refurbed
2: yeah um batteries like batteries yeah and i don't make those batteries new anymore so whatever it's either a 20 year old battery or it's a clone one that's not as good
1: yeah a clone Um, one so that's what that's what you're getting and it's like two it's still already two hundred dollars and then you look at the analog pocket which is admittedly up more but not that much more it's not that much more of a stretch if you're in for 200 for a gbasp yeah. you might as well just go a little bit more <clears throat> and get the analog pocket that's why i think this like this price point is a
2: really they, yeah like they important. started out doing really high-end premium stuff and they've kept premium but at a more accessible price point mm. and i think it's done well for them um like the pocket is yeah. it's I would even though technically I got it in 2021 it is like my favorite thing of 2022 yeah I mean I'm I'm very much very much a a highly recommend it's like a few months ago I would have said if you're into like and you've got a collection of GB GBA games then definite and if you don't mm, but now it's got the the open FPGA stuff it's really tight and in the works they've got the adapters so you can get a cartridge adapter that lets you play game gear cartridges and we've got ones in the works for the atari links the neo geo pocket color or and the, oh. pocket, and the um and the the pc engine so if you have those like those cards and cartridges you could use those you'll be able to plug them in in the back in due course so it's 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 i think it's going to be a big push from them going forward with the future of what their the way their product line is going to work yeah yeah um, and you can see why it's such a great thing. Like the dock, they just added in the last round of firmware updates. You can plug in a USB keyboard and mouse. So I'm hoping that that means that with the SNES core, you can play Mario Paint. <laughs> oh! But I know someone is working on a core for the, the to simulate an Amiga, so you can have a little thing plugged into your TV, keyboard and mouse, and play Amiga games. So it's the the flexibility of it is amazing. It's it's just gonna yeah. be. It's the potential is is out there, and it's it's already living up to it. And what it can do next, what people can do with it, is just gonna be amazing. And then you've got all the other stuff, like you can mess around with GB Studio, which is a a tool that runs on your PC or whatever, and you can write Game Boy games. And it's got a synthesizer package called Nano Loop built in, which is so you can sit there and make chip tunes. And it's just like built in in, in a menu. It's it's a, what's in the package is just just wonderful.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah that oh. all right i think i'm after this episode is done recording <laughs> i might just you know just scoot on just over just wander
0: over and check it out to check it out a little bit well more. i paid significantly a lot more for emulation stuff uh during covid right so we had a holiday booked for the family and that obviously got canned uh so we had a bit of money sitting there from that canned holiday, and we decided to buy something for the family, and that was an arcade machine. Uh, so yeah, we bought a, a main cabinet that was pre-built. With no, a very long time ago, I had built my own main cabinet, so I did all the wiring and used a you know a PS2 uh, keyboard emulation sort of doodad. I pack or give, Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to um to make this kind of thing, but uh, it became ended up being more hassle than it's worth because you constantly because I was always using secondhand bits of PC and whatever was fucking laying around, you know, um, yep. and then I'm just getting the shits with it and put and I'd built it out of MDF, so it was heavy as balls, Ooh. like you could not move that thing for the life of it, but then I got rid of it and I was kind of really regretting it, so I ended up getting the four-player um, arcade cabinet with uh, the gun as well, so... Uh, we have had so much fun with that and, and it was, it wasn't cheap, but like I said, it was in lieu of a family holiday. So it was, um, it was just shy of three grand, uh, all up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's big screen, four player machine, uh, thousands upon thousands of games. that's not quite legal, but you know, I bought it from an Australian store, so I'm going to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let you them lead the fifth <laughs> i'm going to let them wear the legal ramifications of anything that comes about <laughs> um, but yeah uh, and and no officer i didn't know this was <laughs> <laughs> uh but honestly uh, i'm happy i like i i was a little worried that i was going to regret it um but i really missed my old cabinet that i'd made and then playing with the kids is it's just there's just so much fun to be had in an arcade machine with multiple people, especially the four player Simpsons and the Ninja Turtle games or or Super Gem Fighter I mention a lot because we play that a fair bit with each other. That's that's so much fun. It's you know, Street Fighter and, and, and NBA Jam, and you know, all that stuff. It's built for that arcade, and, and it, it's it's so good that my kids get to do that too now. That all that stuff that I grew up with. So I'm I'm yeah. happy with that elaborate spend. And like I said, it was very based on circumstances, and we would not have done it uh, normally. But, yeah, uh, it made for us some fun nights in a, in a time period where fun nights were needed, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I, absolutely, because I uh, and
1: you weren't the only one, mm. I guess. The, I think the whole world was looking for that. I mean, like you said, Rob, retro game prices just went ridiculously off.
2: Yeah, <sighs>
1: went went off the hook, and yeah, and they still cons-
2: haven't. They still haven't like slowed down. Yeah,
1: um, uh, consoles are hard to come by. The newest, the new consoles are hard to come by. Um, just I'm just gonna throw this out before I guess we, before we wrap up. Is there anything that you wouldn't buy or pay for? Is there anything that you look at and you're like,
0: I would never. I would never. Yeah, I guess I guess some of those elaborate... Uh, we mentioned it in the show, those elaborate, like, racing setups. Yeah. Things like that. I, I, I think they're, they're fun, and I love seeing them at, like, packs and shit, and uh, having a go there, but it is absolutely money that is not for me to spend on something like that. But I can totally see someone, like we said, you know, hardcore racing fans, it being worthwhile, but for, for Joe Blow... I mean, even just the basic steering wheel is pointless, to be honest. Like, even you just get one of those Logitech ones for a hundred and fifty bucks or something from EB. That's still it's still too much for me. Like, uh, it's it's, yeah. it's the space. It's like yeah. you need
2: the dedicated space. Like, like if I had the dedicated space, like that, I could keep it set up and not interfere with like using my PC for work. Mm. I could consider it. Yeah. Like, I, I think, like, a full sit down cockpit with pedals and all of that, it's completely overkill. Like, I, I watch a few sim racing people on YouTube doing stuff, and it's just like, you can live vicariously through that because it's like,
0: you go, holy shit, that's cool, but no, yeah. not me. No. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, I, I mean, I would probably buy, like, one of those entry Logitech wheels or Thrustmaster wheels if I could have it set up. And easy to use, but if I've got to pull it out mm. and mount it on the desk every time I want to use it, then no. And the other setups are just, just, it's it's a it's a ridiculous thing. Like,
0: yeah, no, yeah. I
2: I fully agree. Like, I love the idea, but it's just like and and those old
0: flight sim joysticks setups, they yeah. they come into that too. You remember those ones? Like, you're an old fella, like you're all old fellas like me. So you remember yeah. the days when like you, there was joysticks you could buy that were as long as your desk with all the yep. knobs and i, I and have that. one
2: around that has been boxed up because i haven't used it in forever yeah um, yeah but i bought for playing out and it was like the joystick and a separate throttle unit and it's just like <laughs> i just, just cannot yeah i'm sure it would still work I, i'm sure there are drivers for windows 10 but it's just like i can't justify setting up for the space reasons
1: yeah 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 no um I, I, it's again one of those pandemic things um, Microsoft Flight Simulator was released was it 2021? Yeah.
2: 20, 20,
1: 20, 2020 yeah 2020 and you know quite a few people I think on our mutual Twitter Twitter lists um, were like oh I can buy a yoke and a <laughs> throttle and I'm just gonna like sl- slowly piece together this elaborate um
0: flight sim um, flight
1: sim setup with all the various buttons and things. I'm like, I would never, but I'm glad you
0: are. <laughs> yep. I, loved, glad- I loved flight simple, for, for even just with a controller and keyboard. And that was more than enough for me, you know, yeah, that was sufficient. Yeah. But I'm, um, I'm glad that somebody found some joy
1: in, in putting those pieces together. Um, for me, there's a lot of stuff I probably wouldn't spend my money on. Like, the list is endless. This, this, the list I wouldn't spend my money on is much longer than the things I would spend my money on. Um, generally, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly like tight fisted. Um, Two hundred dollars for a headset is max. I would probably go. I probably wouldn't go like, like the six, seven hundred recent, the recent like Steel Series artist, the the
0: super fancy artist. Oh, you've got those? Oh my god! I did. Look, I'm in the very privileged position where I get a lot of that sort of stuff for free for yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I would not pay seven hundred dollars for a headset, as amazing as they are, and they are. Uh, I would not pay that much because I just couldn't justify it. Yeah, I mean, seven. Sorry, Rob. Yeah,
2: so I mean, I'm wearing these. These rigs were designed around for the PSVR, so that the the headband stretches, and they were they were under 200, and they're they're satisfactory. I mean, I have headphones that are noise cancelling, wireless ones that I use for work and commuting. Yeah, and those were a bit more, but they're still not up in that territory. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah like that's i think i paid and i sort of paid for the convenience because like yeah i got tired of dealing with getting adapters into my phone for the headphones and whatever it's just like i'll go wireless and i need noise cancelling to deal with the commute so yeah Yeah, no absolutely i mean if there's things that you need to deal with like
1: uh, commute noise cancelling makes absolute sense i used to favor wired just because they were cheaper but yeah. having moved to wireless like okay no th- there is a quality of life improvement with wireless that you don't know, you wouldn't get with wired stuff yeah um, i'm sitting at my desk i don't mind using wired headsets because i'm going to be sitting here anyway i'm not moving off anywhere else but That's commute exactly it. commute's gonna be different but yeah a couple of couple of mutuals like bought th- the the, the six hundred dollar seven hundred dollar yeah. steel series I'm like oh my goodness I don't I could never I could never
2: yeah that's um, a bit overkill for me as well quite frankly yeah.
1: <laughs> F- fancy gaming mice that's probably
0: on on that list as well um, yeah I, I like a good mouse I like a good keyboard but there's a difference between good and ridiculously expensive. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be winning any Overwatch tournaments, so I don't need that extra .000 millisecond response time that the latest fucking $500 keyboard will give you. No. Yeah. (laughs) yeah,
2: Don't need like. Don't need that ever ridiculous like mice with those really, really high like 2000 DPIs now, like that kind of level of support. It's like yeah i mean i'm not i'm not entering any fps tournaments yeah i mean i'm not nuts enough to build my own arcade stick for for stuff (laughs) i'm not nuts enough to do that if i'm nuts enough to do that then it's another story
1: yeah Um, (laughs) although that being said i have looked again lovingly at um the mad cats tournament edition street fighter stick from a few years ago
0: you are totally tempted by that and you would you know you would I I would I would
1: and it would just it would never be touched it would just sit sit under my TV and then I would and I would that is one thing that would sit under my TV and not be touched and I would still lovingly just look at it and just wonder <laughs> like what if I became a world level Street Fighter player but I would just be just happy to look at it just like framed within within the glass that is under that is my TV cabinet. I'm like ah oh.
0: Adam uh, Adam Rourke from <laughs> Player 2 Rider he, he has one and he brought it over to the Player 2 Charity Marathon one time and we he got upset when we all told him there's no way he's allowed to use it so it's an unfair advantage He's got to use controllers with the rest of us scrubs <laughs> see would it would have be been more fun if he was on the controller and yeah. everyone else got to use the stick?
1: joystick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so everybody got to touch his controller his con- his con- <laughs> except him except Adam yeah <laughs> um, I think we're just going to wrap up very quickly is there yeah. any other last things that you want to just throw in
0: uh, look I will never regret a cent I've spent on rock band guitars and drums and shit like that um, yes that a lot of people do I think and there's a lot of those kind of spin off ones like DJ Hero and that that were regrettable but the, 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 the bass rock band set is forever money well spent in my eyes
2: mm. I could see that like I could see myself as someone that couldn't really justify it yeah but i don't really have people over and i don't really have a lot of that stuff where it doesn't work but if you're in that position where everyone's going to be using it heavily yeah i could see it going game well. like i've got mates who have that whole setup too and it gets loads of play from them so it's like yeah. it's worked out wonders for them yeah um, that's definitely one that's like a divisive if you if you really need it and like yeah. honestly some of the the gear i have for playing old games like um i'm just looking at my desk and i've got my mister which is a which is an open source project that builds on um, uh, low level hardware emulation of this stuff in a different way and it's like that's a custom build that that cost a bit and it's a bit fiddly you know you've got to sort of read up on it and i think other people that's overkill for yeah. how they want to enjoy playing their old games uh, kind of deal
0: there's always going to be you know specific to your absolutely circumstances, your, your niche yeah yeah agree ag- absolutely agree on that one all
1: right well on that note Thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Player 2 Pixelcast. Uh, where can we... Well, you can find us all at player2.net. Is it .net now? No, there's no more .au, right? It's no, it's, it's,
0: so you, it's both .net, .au, and if you want to be lazy, you can just put .au. I uh, just bought the brand new uh, AU domain name to make sure... Nice. That, that other douchebag that's got .com.au doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That hasn't used it in 10 years but still owns it. What a wanker. <laughs> that Every really, year that, that, that person is just like, should I renew this? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, I should. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I ever catch that guy... <laughs> Uh, wouldn't it be terribly, terribly funny if it was actually somebody you know? And they're Probably, like, they're just ah. shit-stirring. Yeah, they're
0: <laughs> saving it for some like, high school reunion and go, <laughs> uh,
1: Where can we find... Rob, where can we find you on the internet, Twitter, social media?
2: Oh, right. Um. Okay, so we'll ignore the impending Dubstify that is Twitter. So, basically, twitter.com slash rob underscore caporetto. Um, and then there's my YouTube stuff, which thanks to the new uh, URL change is youtube.com forward slash at beyond the scan lines, which is my the uh, video name. series. Yeah. They've, they've initialized that a few, few weeks ago. So, um, and sure. that's basically much nicer URL for the channel, which is my looks at all these old games with a bit of a, a little bit of a critical eye, a little bit of respectful, like less loud, gafforing and just more, you know, nice, relaxed analysis and, and thoughtful looks. Um, I've got some stuff going up there for Atari 50 as well as the stuff I'll get to P2 plays on on Atari 50. So I'm, I'm very overdosed on Atari goodness at the moment.
1: <laughs> cool. Uh, Huso, where can we find you on the internet?
0: You can find me at Huso81 on Twitter and on Hive because that seems to be generating... Like I, I waited, I waited and I feel like I'm in waiting because Hive seems to have picked up a lot of people because it's very similar to Twitter essentially just without the wanker leading the charge. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it might do all right, who knows? It could, it could yeah. be next week or something else but I, I grabbed it just in case it does work out. But yeah, QSO81 or Player2AU of course on, on the Player2 tweets. Um, yeah, and I've got Midnight Suns uh, preview up. I've got a review of Gungrave Gore which will be up By the time this goes live, the long and short of it is don't buy that game. It's crap. Uh, And I'll also have a Spider-Man Miles Morales PC report of the port, which is... It's a good port. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. And you can find me
1: at Pixel Hunt on Twitter. I've also grabbed that same handle on uh, Hive and Co-Host, as well as one of the many instances of mastodon which i still do not understand
0: no I that, that one was just... way too good if, if the world decides on mastodon i'm done <laughs> <laughs> yeah i
2: i set up an account there years ago and it's like okay i'm trying to pick it up now but it's like oh do i want to move in do i call game dips for the for the whole yeah. old, old yeah. game sequel, like,